Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, pastor of Sacred City Church in Davenport, Iowa. And this is the Sacred City Life Podcast, a podcast that helps you follow Jesus in the normal rhythms of life. And today we're coming at you again with another segment of the podcast we call Theology for Everyone, that we are helping everyone, housewives, blue-collar dudes, white-collar dudes, whoever you are, we're trying to help you be to become a better theologian in life. And to do that, we're working through the Westminster Confession of Faith, a small um, systematic theology through the scriptures. And right now, we have been working through chapter three about God's eternal decree, talking about election, talking about predestination, talking about foreordination. And today, we're going to be just looking at section five of that document. And I, once again, have my awesome pastoral residents, Kevin, Bryson, and Alex here with me. Say hi, guys. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Very, very, they're, they're short on words. Hi, hi, how are you doing? And we are, <laughs> we, are <laughs> uh, we are enjoying ourselves, so we are having a nice drink. We are smoking cigars in my office. Enjoying a couple of the good gifts that God has given us while studying the scriptures, studying this document. So wherever you are, we hope you are um, enjoying God's good gifts, whether you're in your car, whether you're at home, whether you're cleaning your house, on your lunch break, wherever you are. uh, We're here for you, and we're thankful for you, our listeners. Chapter 5 of chapter 3, or article 5 of chapter 3, says this. Those of mankind that are predestined unto life, God, before the foundation of the world was laid according to his eternal and immutable purpose and the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will, hath chosen in Christ unto everlasting glory. Out of his mere free grace and love, without any foresight of faith or good works, or perseverance in either of them, or any other thing in the creature, as conditions or causes moving him thereunto, and all to the praise of his glorious grace. Now, this is kind of a summation of everything we've already talked before. This is the Westminster Divines kind of putting it all into one little chapter, what they believe, or one little segment, what they believe about predestination. And honestly, this is really just Ephesians 1, mm-hmm. <laughs> 4 through 11. Um, but, but we get into some really good things. And so let's work through those again together slowly. If you guys have questions, bring them up, okay? Yeah. Those of mankind that are predestined unto life, so he, we see which category he's talking about. He's not talking about the foreordained, the ones he passes over. He's talking about those whom God has chosen to give life unto. God, before the foundation of the world was laid, so before he said, let there be light, before he separated the waters above from the waters below, before he created man, he already knew you. That's amazing. He already knew who was going to be saved before he started this whole thing. Once again, we need to remind ourselves, God was not surprised when Eve bit the apple and said, hey, hey, Adam, this apple's pretty good. Come try this. And they sinned and destroyed the world. God, God was not like taken aback. 
He did not have to go off into his quiet place for a few days to figure out what to do now. <laughs> he knew it already. If that's the case, some people may ask, why create if he knows that there's going to be a fall? Yeah, that's a good question, Alex. And the answer is because he's good and for his own glory. That's The answer he gives ultimately is for his own glory. So he knew it would bring more glory to God, to himself, to create rather than not create. Creating people in his image to reflect his glory, to enjoy his goodness, to enjoy him. And I think, honestly, we're not going to know the full answer of that until we get to heaven or heaven gets to us, in a sense, in the new heavens, the new earth. Because then we're going to realize, oh, thank God he created. (laughs) You know? All right, let's keep going. According to his eternal and immutable purpose, so again, eternal, so before the creation of time, God had this plan, immutable, it can't change, it's perfect, it's pure, it's clean, it's unchangeable. And the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will, so again, we don't know what's in the mind of God. God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, dreamed this up in eternity, so we we can't get inside that. The only way we can discover what he was thinking and what he felt and what he was, what his plans were, is how. How do we discover that? But, I mean, would it be if he was looking to show his glory, is it like what you just said? Well, yeah, but how? How do we know that? How do we discover the will of God? He's revealed it to us. He's revealed it to us. How? Scripture. Scripture. Scripture isn't just a rule book. Scripture isn't just boring. Scripture is how we come to understand what was in that council, what he was talking about, what he's thinking about, okay? So, in all of that, he, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, hath chosen in Christ unto everlasting glory. So God, he knew we were going to fall. He knew mankind was going to be evil and wicked in their heart. He knew men were going to rape. He knew men were going to steal. He knew men were going to destroy. He knew men were going to kill. He knew men were going to do horrible things. And yet, looking at that mass of humanity, he chose to save some of those murderers, some of those killers, some of those rapists, some of those liars, some of those cheaters, some of those idolaters. He chose them in Christ unto everlasting glory. So he chose to look at, think about that. That's just the scourge of humanity. It's the worst of the worst. He chose to choose some of, and, and we know Paul talks about we're dead in, in our sins, right? And so we always say around here, what could a spiritually dead person do to gain eternal life? Nothing. But think about it. Does God get more glory from choosing a person who's pretty good and making them better? Or does he get more glory by raising a dead person to life? Mm, yeah. Dead person yeah. For sure. He gets more glory for the second, right? Yeah. We all say that. That's what he does. He chooses some of the... Paul even says in 1 Corinthians, <laughs> we are the scum of the earth. He liter- And if he, ESV, that's what it says. The scum of the earth. I knew a youth pastor one time who named their youth ministry the scum of the earth. <laughs> Terrible idea. No parents going to send their kid to the scum of the earth youth ministry. <laughs> but it's biblical. You are youth pastors, man. Yeah. That's 2000 it's, youth ministry. It's biblical. <laughs> it's biblical, though. So, he he hath chosen in Christ, and this is unto everlasting glory. He chose to make spiritually dead people 
and he's going to make he's going to remake them into everlasting glory. C.S. Lewis talks about this, the weight of your neighbor's glory that you have no idea when you're looking at your neighbor and you see a pretty good person or a pretty bad person, but what they actually are, they're either an angel or a devil. And that's that's even he doesn't say it like that. He uses a lot more uh, beautific vision and a lot better words. What I mean by that is they're either destined for hell and they're going to become worse than they are right now or they're destined for heaven and they're going to be so beautiful you can never even you can't even comprehend mm. comprehend how beautiful how much glory they're going to have. So God takes spiritually dead people and he makes them absolutely eternally glorious. Do we have a scripture for that? Um, so Ephesians 1 1 through 12 Says Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Oh, man, that's so good. In him we have obtained an, an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Boom. So spiritually dead people like us, right? We are dead in our trespasses and sins. He made alive. He gave us all spiritual riches there in Christ. He predestined us, it says in there, for the uniting of everything in heaven and on earth. So he's renewing, he's restoring all things. He's going to make all things better than we could possibly imagine. We're going to be more glorious than we could possibly imagine. And all of that salvation... It's not just to get us into heaven. It's to change us. It's to beautify us. It's to make us more spectacular than we could even think of. It's all for his own glory. So we're going to get to heaven, and God's going to get the glory because he made a bunch of turds like us into his beautific, into a, like a, a, a work of art that we can't even imagine. Yeah. And God gets the glory for it. Yeah. Will you take some time? Uh, last time we talked about predestination. A lot of times people tend to focus on the negative aspect of that. So you walk mm. through that. Will you spend some time talking through why this is good news to us? Yeah, that's a great question, Kevin. Predestination is good news for many different reasons. I, don't know, I won't be able to hit on all of them. Obviously, I'm just going to get the ones that come to mind. We are sinners. We are p- 
people who suffer because we're sinned against. We're people who have weaknesses in our own flesh, in our own body, um, that we're in a broken world. And so sometimes our brain doesn't work right. Sometimes our body breaks down and our body doesn't work right. And so, which is why you're standing right now, which is why I'm standing right now. Okay. I hurt my back this morning. I tweaked my back a little bit. I was too tight. I probably should have took a rest day. Did I ignored my body and I pushed through and uh, tweaked my back. So I am standing right now. So that's also why I feel like I might be preaching this. I might <laughs> preach for us, but no, what that means is throw me that lighter, bro. What that means is I don't know what's going to happen to me in five years. I don't know if my mind, well, let me just say, I, I'm, I'm in a weird, I'm in a different set of mind right now because one of, I just got news today, this afternoon, that one of my wrestlers that I coached and loved, good kid, good young man, um, that he took his own life today. And, It was either, I can't even remember right off the top of my head if it was earlier this year or late last year. One of my mentors that I looked up to, Pastor Darren Patrick, um, he took his own life as well. And I bring that up because we don't, none, most of us, especially if you're young, if you're young, you might not believe me. <laughs> if you're young, you might think you're pretty confident, you're pretty strong. Um, but... This world takes its toll on everyone. You know me. I always say we all have to go enough, go through enough to kill us. Every person has to go through enough tro- trial and ter- turmoil to kill them, whether it's cancer or car accident or a war or PTSD or depression, whatever it is. And so the thought that my salvation is determined or contingent upon my strength scares the hell out of me. Yeah. Uh, People often ask me, well, what's, what's your greatest fear? The greatest fear in my life is that I would cheat on my wife. That's my greatest fear in my life. Bar none. Um, that I could destroy my life, that I could destroy my marriage, that I could destroy my family, that I could destroy my ministry, that I could destroy my, my whole life because of the sinfulness in my own heart. Um, and so one of the greatest benefits and blessings of the doctrine of predestination is that my salvation from beginning to end is determined by God alone and not me. And so, can you commit suicide and go to heaven? Absolutely you can. Absolutely. Now, is is suicide an evil? Absolutely it is. It's terrible. It's murdering. It's killing. But God also knows our frame. And he knows that brains can be broken just like legs can be broken. And when we break our brains and we break our emotions and we break our spirits and we break these things, it's, and it happens. Let me just say that. It happens. And so 
predestination gives me great hope that God's going to preserve my salvation no matter what. And it also gives me hope as a pastor because I've got young people struggling with depression. I got young people wanting to kill themselves. I got um, old people trying to kill them. I got all, you know, and it's like, what do I do with that? Are you know we want to say, oh, well, are they saved? And th- that question re- ultimately rests with the Lord. But we have in predestination, we have a one example of saying, yeah, absolutely, these people believed, these people trusted, these people fought the fight of faith. Mm-hmm. And they never quit believing, but for whatever reason, they succumbed to the flesh and they they took their life or they went down the wrong path yeah. or whatever. So that gives me great hope, um, both as a man, as a father, as a pastor, that God, God keeps his sheep. Even if I can't, even if I can't control it, God does. So, unto everlasting glory, out of his mere free grace and love, without any foresight of faith. So again, he's clear about what we talked about before. He's not looking down, he's not looking down history. He's not in a Marty McFly, you know, zooming into the future and seeing who's going to choose him or not. And he's electing those who are going to choose him. No, he chooses those and then those choose him. Mm-hmm. Without any foresight of faith or good works, or perseverance in either of them. So he's not so salvation is not necessarily all up and to the right. Mm-hmm. Some saints mm-hmm. in their life in despair. Some saints in their life in a hotel room with needles in their arm. Mm-hmm. That's how they end their life. And it's a shame. So let's let's just talk about Samson. Samson was a great man of God in one sense. He was given all kind of gifts. He was given supernatural strength, and yet, what was his weakness? Delilah. Delilah, more than Delilah. Women was his weakness, and women was his end, in a sense. Right? She got the best of him. Um. He gave in to lust. He gave in to, um, he disobeyed the psalmist, right? Or the, and uh, the Proverbs. And he gave his strength to women and, and he, he told her his secret and she cut his hair and he was bound and they gouged out his eyes. And that was a horrible demise. He could have been a great hero of the, I mean, he, I'm going to say he was a hero of the faith. He ended up in the chapter of heroes of faith in Hebrews. So Hebrews 13. But at the end of his life, he was blind, he was discredited, he was a fool, and then he what? He, he, he killed more Philistines in his death than he did in his life, in his last act of betrayal, right? He, or, or obedience, however you want to see it. He pulled down the pillars and they crushed, they crushed him. In one sense, that was a horrible end of life. It was suicidal, I mean, it was heroic in a sense, he killed the enemy, um, but it was also like he was brought down in the, in, his, in the vigor of youth in the prime of his life. We don't want that. We don't want that for our kids. Right. But let me ask you this. So he was blind. 
and chained, and that's how he died. Is Samson blind and chained now? No. 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 And many times we forget to tell the end of that story to our kids, to anybody else. Like, he screwed his life up. But he also, in a sense, he was elect. He was predestined to do that. And even in his death and his destruction, he was, he was chosen by God. I mean, we see that in Hebrews, right? And so now he has his sight. Now he has his purity. Now he has his strength. Now he has his wisdom. Now he's free of his sinful proclivities. And so some, some of us might end our earthly life like Samson in very negative ways. You know, a few years ago, a guy came to faith in our church and it was a genuine conversion. He gave his life to Christ. He was a drug dealer and he was trying to get out of the drug, drug deal, being a drug dealer and all that kind of stuff. And um, under threat of all kind of persecution or whatever, consequences from the government, but also from his gang, gangbanger and drug dealer friends. And, um, but he was in Christ. We baptized him. And then I remember one Sunday morning, I looked around and he wasn't there. And I got off the stage and I, people always freak out about this, but yes, I do know when you're not there, I can tell. <laughs> And I got off the stage and I said, hey, where's, where's this guy at? And I said, I don't know. And then I looked out at my phone and I got a text message. And he, he had went on, basically went on a bender with a girlfriend. And the police were calling me and they found him dead in his, his apartment. Or no, in a, in, a, in a hotel room. And they called me up there to come, come up there. And... Um, it was, uh, and I had to do the funeral and I had to do the whole deal and he had a freaking, like a three-month-old baby or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was horrible. And he ended his life horribly. And yet, I could still preach the gospel at his funeral to a bunch of tweakers and gangbangers. And I'll tell you, I was scared to preach the gospel in that group because those guys, I guarantee you they were carrying weapons. And But, but... I knew he wanted me to preach the gospel and I preached the gospel and I had confidence in preaching the gospel and I had even confidence in his salvation, not because he ended his life well, but because of predestination. Because God predestined me to share the gospel. God predestined him to accept it. God predestined him to be baptized. God even predestined him to backslide and die at that time. All things are predestined. I'm talking hurricanes, earthquakes, tsunamis. They're all predestined. So where... Um thinking in the context of missional community and you have someone inside your missional community that's gone or going through a backsliding like this obviously the thing to do is not just say well you know they were predestined we know that their salvation's good we should just let them you know do this thing real quick and then yeah maybe hopefully they come back mm-hmm. what what is I don't know what what is the appropriate or maybe wise thing to do in regards to like the people inside of your missional community who will backslide. It's obviously not just sit there and bank on predestination, but also I think that offers a good encouragement and hope for your brother or sister in your missional community in that. 
time. Yeah. Well, I think, honestly, I think, I think the way Jesus treated Judas, ah, that, might not, that might not be a good idea. That might not be a great concept here, but I'm, I'm just thinking like Jesus warned him, Judas, because I'm not saying Jesus, Ju- Judas was, I don't know if Judas was predestined to life or not. I have no idea. doesn't look like he had true faith but he might have of, I have no idea. Um, but Jesus warned him. Jesus said, the guy I put my hand in right now, the guy I'm eating with right now, he's going to betray me. The, like he was honest with him and open with him. Mm-hmm. And I think in the moment, we should always spur one another on towards love and good works. I, it still sucks that, that, per, that they, he ended his life. Like that still sucks. Yeah. Sucks for his... Um, his family stucks for that. His baby mama stucks for his baby. Like she's not going to know a father. Like it's still not good that that happened, you know? So I still want to warn him and say, don't go down that path. I mean, that's what the prov- that's what Solomon does in Proverbs. Don't go down that path. Don't give your strength to young women. Don't let your eyes go towards the promiscuous woman because it's going to be like uh, a stag going to the slaughter. And so I still want to warn him. But I also know, I also need the confidence that no matter what happens, if this guy is the elect, if this guy is predestined, he's still going to heaven. And he needs that too. Mm-hmm. Because here's the deal. Modern man, we've been, let's just talk, I'm just going to talk, talk straight here. We've been damaged by our parents in some way. Even if we had great parents, we've all been wounded, we've all been hurt, right? We've been damaged by our society in some way. Our society has, has conditioned us to think certain way about things, and many of those things are not honoring to God. Thinking about sex, things, thinking about individualism, thinking about, um, I don't even know, I could go on and on and on. So we've been, we've been conditioned by our culture to think certain ways. Many of us have used drugs and, you know, substances. Those drugs and substances, even if they've been prescribed by a doctor, some of them are experimental in a, a sense that we don't even know how they affect the human brain over the long term, right? Some of us are more preconditioned towards mental health disorders. And, you know, we can go bipolar in our 20s and we don't even know that we're pre- preconditioned to that. So when I look at the intricacy of the human person, how much of that are they responsible for? And then on top of that, You've got the deceitfulness of sin. You've got the consequences of disobeying God that harden the heart, that deceive the mind, that bring damnation and demonic oppression and all kind of things into our life. So think about just that concoction of pressures that that human beings are under. Mm -hmm. The world, the flesh, the devil. Okay? So it's easy... What hope do I have in myself to withstand that? You know? Yeah. None. I Honestly, I say none. And when I'm diagnosing a young man who's smoked some weed and done some drugs and messed around and sinned and had come from a broken home and did this and did that, I'm looking and I'm going, oh God, I have no help in helping this man. 
I don't know if his brain is broken from depression or from drugs or from his upbringing. The only hope I have is in the grace of God. And the grace of God is bigger than all those things. So this guy might come to faith. He might give his life to Jesus. He might embrace it. And yet all that brokenness remains. And he takes his life. Yeah. Well, the hope is if he was in Christ, he's still in Christ. You can't get out of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And so now he doesn't have a broken brain. Now he doesn't have a dirty soul. Mm. Now he doesn't have a broken family. Now he's got a perfect family in heaven. I think it was really good that you like were talking to like where it's not you're like judging a person, but you're being firm with their sin, but then also like loving them through that instead of just judging them and 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 bringing them down and tearing them down. Like you're just hey, this is your sin, and we're gonna be firm, and we know that this is sin, and then throughout that like love them well because I just feel like there's so many so many times where people are judged and then it's just continuing. Throughout their, throughout their sin, and it's pushing them, you know, deeper into whatever that is. Yeah, and you can't get around judging, in a sense. But we're, when we're judging, we're not saying you're worse than me. Too often, our culture hears that. If I look at a person, and I literally see him ru- getting a running go and running his head into a brick wall, and I walk up to them and go, "Bro, what are you doing?" Stop! You're killing yourself. Don't do that. I'm judging him in that moment. That's a judge. Stop doing that. You're killing yourself. I'm making a judgment upon him. But I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm saying, bro, you're literally breaking the laws of the universe and running. I know you're hard-headed, man, (laughs) but you you ain't going to win running your head against that wall. Every mor- God created every moral law in the universe just like he created gravity and the laws of physics. So when you are adultery, you committing adultery, when you're lusting, when you're using, you know, using drugs, when you are breaking commandments, you are ramming your head against a wall and the universe will strike back. Because mm. that's the way God created it. So I'm making a judgment, but I'm not doing it because I'm mad at you, I hate you, I feel better than you. I'm doing it because I actually love you. Our world has lost that. And so out of God's free grace and love without any foresight of faith or good works or perseverance in either of them or any other thing in the creature as conditions or causes moving him thereunto and all to the praise of his glorious grace. Do we have any other scriptures? Or that... We'll do one more. 2 Timothy 1.9 Who saved us and called us to a holy calling? Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Again, not just in Ephesians. It's all over. If you read the scriptures, it's everywhere. God didn't look down from heaven and say, wow, they're doing pretty great. I'm going to choose them. Wow, they've got a bachelor's. They've got a master's. Oh, they got a PhD. I'm getting them. Wow, they've never committed adultery. I'm choosing them. Wow, they read the right books. They go to the right church. They grew up in the right family. No, God chose 
the elect, based upon the counsel of his own will, by his own free grace, so nothing but him gets the glory. So the doctrine of predestination is not a cold doctrine. It's not a lifeless doctrine. It's not a doctrine just for the chosen, you know, the chosen frozen. We get, we get life from the, from the doctrine of predestination. We get hope. We get perseverance. It's, it's a doctrine that gives us great grace in the real world that we live in. You know, and it gives us hope for the future that no matter what comes down the road. I mean, just think about, I, I've got a lot of friends and I've, got, I've counseled a lot of guys that have, that have done the honorable thing and enlisted in the military to protect our freedoms. And they've gone overseas and, and war changes people. War has an effect on the human psyche. And they come back and they're, they're wounded. They're mentally wounded. I don't want to put that stigma on anyone. And I don't want to say that it's somehow negative or somehow it's not a sign of weakness. It's just our, you know, we, you know, human beings aren't, I don't think we're meant to be in that heightened state of adrenaline and fear and aggression that modern warfare kind of puts on a human being and it breaks something in their psyche. Uh, I read a, a great book that talks about just the soul repair that's um, necessary after guys coming back from being in combat for a long time. And, uh, and that guy that comes back that's mentally, emotionally, spiritually broken, there's still hope for him. The hope is in the gospel. The hope is eternal. It's not dependent upon him winning his mental health battle. That Jesus wins in the end, no matter what. If you're his, you can't be lost. He never loses one of his sheep. Jesus is the ultimate Navy SEAL. <laughs> he never loses one, right? I know you can't compare the two, but would you would you say that's kind of like where a lot of people are in the world just today, not even at war, but just living daily life of being at war and fighting the fight of faith? Yeah, man. Like, even right now in COVID-19, like... There's so much pressure put upon us mm -hmm. to literally, you're expected to be an epidemiologist right now. You're expected to be a political commentator extraordinaire to know everything about your candidate. You're expected to know everything about the economy. You're expected, you're, you're, there's so much pressure on you right now to know everything about everything. Yeah. And and then we're locked down and we're trying to obey the government, but we want to obey God and we want to worship, but we don't want to be stupid. And we, and there's all this pressure on us. And we just don't know if we're making the right decisions, right. you know? And hey, this is not a, an, ex an excuse to be laissez-faire and just throw your hands up and say, whatever, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. So I'm just going to sit at home and be a lazy turd. Right. It's not an excuse for doing that. But... For those who are working hard, for those who are studying, for those who are persevering, for those who are fighting, for those who are trying, for those who are searching, for those who are seeking, this should be a consolation that don't worry, baby. Jesus has got it covered. Mm. Right? He's got it covered. That's good. Right? Yeah. So that's my word to you. Um, 
the salvation of your kids isn't resting on you. The salvation of your neighbors is not resting on you. Salvation of this city is not resting on you. The salvation of this country is not resting on you. The salvation of the world is not resting on you. The salvation of every single soul is resting securely on the sovereign God and the kind and generous Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Christian, rest in that assurance, rest in the predestination, election, foreordination that God has put forth in Scripture, and let it be a comfort to your soul. If you guys have any questions, email me, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. Like us, share us. Please rate us on iTunes. We love you guys. Got any questions, let us know. We'll answer them soon. God bless. Talk to you soon.